The Lord be with you. A reading of the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were over, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live on bread alone. Then he took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a single instant. The devil said to him, I shall give to you all this power and glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I may give it to whomever I wish. All this will be yours if you worship me. Jesus said to him in reply, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. Then he led him to Jerusalem, made him stand on the parapet of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and with their hands they will support you lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him in reply, it also says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'd like you to think about a moment in time when you had a homecoming, gone maybe for a long time, gone to a faraway place, and you come home to that place of of security, of comfort, where you're known and where you belong, where you're loved. And the best part of all, of course, is that reunion with your loved ones, the hugs and the kisses, maybe the tears of joy running down your face. My wife likes to say, Shelley likes to say, she loves it when all of our circles are stacked. And what she means by that is on your map app that you have on your phone, when everybody is home and all of our kids are home from college and such, all of those little blue locator dots, they're all like stacked together right on top of our house. The Christian Life, my friends, is a journey home. Go all the way back to the beginning. You have God's created firstborn son, Adam, who has to leave the garden with his wife, Eve, because of their disobedience. And we've all been searching ever since then for a way back home to paradise. Fast forward in the Old Testament to God's chosen firstborn son, the nation of Israel. The entire episode, the epic story of how they leave the land of slavery in Egypt to go home to the land that God promised to give to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all of their successors. But then we get to the New Testament, to God's divine, his eternally begotten firstborn son, who becomes then Mary's firstborn son. In order to penetrate our humanity to its uttermost depths, he leaves his home in heaven for a manger. As a grown man, he stands in line with sinners in solidarity with them to receive a baptism for sinners. He takes a three-year journey to Jerusalem, immersed in the depravity, but also the desperation of our humanity. And he suffers our death, and he's laid in our tomb 
But then he rises and he ascends to return to home, back to heaven. And yet his homecoming in heaven is not just his, it is also for us, it's ours. Because he came, my friends, to look for us, our lost brothers and sisters, and to bring us home, back to our true home. As comfortable as we can be, as much in love with this world as we know it that we can be, this is not our true home. This is a place of death, of sin, of opposition to God. Here, we're nothing but a bunch of refugees. We're pilgrims. We're aliens living in a foreign land. This is not our home. Heaven is our home. And when we take our final breath, or when Jesus returns, whichever one happens first, then Jesus will welcome us home to the Father's house. This is our homecoming. And yet we don't have to wait until then to come home. The great poet Elvis Presley once sang a song that said this, Home is where the heart is, and my heart is anywhere you are. Anywhere you are is home. I don't need a mansion on a hill that overlooks the sea. Anywhere you're with me is home. Thank you very much. Now, we know the cliche that Elvis was singing about there. Home is where the heart is. We've all heard that before. We've probably also heard what it takes to turn a house into a home. It's sharing life together. It's the love that we share as we live in a place. Recently, my parents moved from the house that they bought right before I was born. There's still a lot of memories in that place, but where I grew up is no longer home. Home is where they live now. Because home is where the heart is. So where is your heart? Where's my heart? We can't say that we want to go home to God and then not really go home. What I mean by that is not really and truly repent. We have to very willfully, very purposefully leave the place that we're in right now to go home. Some of us Some of us know how far away from home we really are. We can sense it, we feel it, that we've got quite a bit of distance between us and God. And then others of us think pretty highly of ourselves, and we think we're probably closer to home, at least than most people. Our pride puts us in a false location. But wherever we are, wherever you're at right now, this very moment, brothers and sisters, it's time for us to go home. It's time for us to return to our Father. It's time for our homecoming. And so on the first Sunday of Lent, we always hear this story of Satan tempting Jesus. There's three different versions of it, Mark, Matthew, Mark, and then this year we hear Luke's version. The heart of that firstborn son, Adam, rebelled in the garden. The heart of that firstborn son, Israel, rebelled in the wilderness. But the heart of this eternally begotten, firstborn son of God, firstborn son of Mary, is true. Despite the weakness of a 40-day fast and the isolation of being out in the wilderness in the middle of nowhere, Jesus stays home because his heart is with his Father. And as we look at these three temptations, we got to realize that's what's at stake What Satan is trying to do, as this picture says so vividly, is he's trying to pry apart the relationship between the Father and the Son. 
When he says to Jesus, if you are the Son of God, he's implying, if he really is your Father, if he really cares about you, if he loves you, why did he put you out here in the middle of nowhere? What's he doing to you? Can you really trust him? Does he really love you? What Jesus endures is the same strategy that Satan wants to pull on us. He wants us to stray from home. And so let's take a look at these temptations. First of all, he says, turn those stones to bread if you're hungry. Live only to indulge and to gratify your bodily senses. Your hungers, your appetites, your cravings, your addictions. See, left unchecked, what my heart wants to do is be filled with all of those earthly desires and pleasures, and I think it's going to make me happy. And it leaves no room for the deepest desire of my heart, which is for God. And that's why Lent calls us to fast. Practice self-control. To deny ourselves rather than constantly indulge those bodily pleasures. And here is why. Because if I can't control myself, if all of these other things are controlling me, then I'm not in possession of my heart. And if I'm not in possession of my heart, then I cannot give my heart to the Father. So second, Satan tempts Jesus to trade the Father's kingdom for all the kingdoms of the world. We're told in Matthew's Gospel that Jesus came to receive all authority in heaven and on earth, and he would receive it from his Father. But his Father gives this to him after his resurrection and after the suffering of the cross. So Satan offers him a cheap alternative, just all authority on earth. All the kingdoms of the world, with all their power, all their money, all of their glory. Sounds great, doesn't it? And he shows it to Jesus in an instant, and he offers it to him in an instant. All of it's yours. Just fall down and worship me. Painless, immediate gratification. We can gain the whole world. We can have it all and lose our souls, lose our hearts. And if we don't have our hearts, then we will not find the way home. And so Lent tells us to also give alms, to give to the poor, to give away what we have in this world, to detach ourselves from its greedy grip so that we can be more firmly attached to the Father. And then finally, Satan tells Jesus to throw himself down. Oh, the angels will catch you, won't they? Test God rather than trust him. Joseph Ratzinger, in his wonderful volume, Jesus of Nazareth, says this. The issue, then, is that God has to submit to experiment. He is tested just as products are tested. He must submit to the conditions that we say are necessary if we are to reach certainty. If he doesn't grant us now the protection he promises, he is simply not God. Who do we creatures think we are? He is not our slave, subject to our pea-brain demands for proof. He is not to be tested. He is to be trusted. And so Lent calls us into deeper prayer. 
despite what may seem to be contradictory circumstances in our life, that God has abandoned me. Where is He? He's left me out in the middle of the wilderness and nowhere. Where is He? Prayer instead brings us to a deeper reliance, a total dependence, and a surrender to the Father who loves us. You know, our world says a lot of dumb things, like, follow your heart, right? That's the mantra today. Follow your heart. Really? I'll tell you what, my heart is so often seduced and distracted. It's filled with all kinds of doubts. I give into temptation way too easily. The way home is not to follow my heart and to rely on myself. Fighting temptation is not just your own sheer willpower and the resolve, I'm going to keep those Lenten practices. In fact, fasting and almsgiving and prayer are not just simple steps for your own self-improvement. What I need, my friends, and I know what we all need, is a new heart. If I want to win the victory over temptation, and if I want to come home, then I need Jesus to give me His heart. His faithful, trusting, obedient heart. The heart which interpenetrate with His Father's heart. And in fact, He and His Father and the power of the Spirit want to come and interpenetrate with your heart. They want to take up residence there in you. They want to be at home with you. On the night before Jesus died for us, In the upper room with his disciples, he said this, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him, and we will make our home with him. Home is where the heart is. And your heart belongs there, in the sacred heart of Jesus. It is the truly human and divine heart This is the heart that so completely trusted his Father. This is the heart that loves us so much that he willfully laid down his life for us in sacrifice. And this is the very same heart, my friends, who offers himself to us in this Holy Eucharist. If home is where the heart is, then there is your true home in his heart. And he invites you to come home there. This is our homecoming.